Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. And today, me and my co host, I'm Gene Ross, joined by my co host, Josh Julia, and we are very excited to bring you our first 2021 season preview for Ohio State's big Thursday night season opener against Minnesota. Josh, how are you feeling today? College football is back, baby. Uh, I got the feeling deep down in my belly. I'm ready to go. Uh, I attempted to watch week zero. That was. Embarrassing, potentially for the league, but uh, I think we should be in store for much better football come Thursday. I don't know what you're talking about. Illinois is an elite football program. Brett Bielma is bringing them to the national title, and that's what I saw on Saturday. But yeah, there was some uh, some questionable. Undefeated. Yes, they are undefeated. They're- Tell your kids about undefeated Illinois. Uh, there was some some questionable football being played on Saturday, but I imagine the game we'll see on Thursday will look much more like actual football than whatever it is we saw in uh, in Champaign this last week. But Regardless, uh, we got this big preview coming up. Ohio State is a you know weird opener for them. Usually, you get a, a, you know a home game against an out of conference team, but this year they're playing at Minnesota on a Thursday night. It's a bit different. It's not the uh, ideal situation for breaking in a new quarterback, you know, on the road and who hasn't played in front of fans yet. You know, after last year, there was nobody in the stands at Big Ten games, so it's a very di- different atmosphere from what Ohio State saw last season. I think it's a good early test for them. You know, Minnesota is a team that I don't think is a huge threat to beat Ohio State, but they are a team that could test them in certain ways, and I think it'll be a good it's a good way to kind of get a gauge of how the rest of this season will go. I don't think we'll learn, you know, if Ohio State's gonna win the national championship or not based on this game, but I do think we will learn a lot about some different parts of the offense, the defense, some depth chart stuff, you know, with this game. And I I'm really excited for it. It's been it feels like it's been forever since we got real college football, you know, the twenty twenty season. As much as fun as it was at times and as much as, you know, Ohio State made the national title and all that good stuff, it was not exactly the college football we were used to. It had none of the pageantry. Obviously, you know, we'll have the band back once Ohio State gets back at Ohio Stadium and all that good stuff. So I am very excited to get back to some sense of normalcy in the college football world. Yeah, I, I think that the fans and the combination of a night game on the road against a legitimate opponent, 
has the, uh, all, all the ingredients of a really fun and entertaining game. I'm excited to see uh, what a, a bunch of new faces can do for the Buckeyes. And I think I would prefer a game like this. I don't know what we would learn, if anything, from C.J. Stroud and a bunch of other guys if we went up against a ball state or something like that. And I think I would frankly be a little concerned if we had one of those huge week one matchups uh, that we're going to see this weekend uh, in, in other conferences. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I think that this is going to be a good litmus test week one for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I totally agree. And so we'll take a look here at this Minnesota team. Obviously, last year uh, did not go very well for the Golden Gophers. They finished three and four, but it was, you know, I don't really take much from any team last year with all the COVID stuff. But there were some interesting storylines of last year, starting with the Minnesota offense, you know, the, what we'll see against Ohio State's defense. Obviously, they returned Tanner Morgan at quarterback. And, you know, in 2019, Tanner Morgan was really, really good. He threw for over a thousand, uh, over 3,000 yards. He had 30 touchdowns in 2019. And then in 2020, I don't know if it was play call or just whatever with bad scheming and bad uh, like play calling and all that stuff with like no time to prepare for an offseason but he only threw seven total touchdowns in seven games which is certainly not what you want from your starting quarterback but right next to him in the backfield they still have Muhammad Ibrahim who is probably the best running back in the Big Ten he ran for over a thousand yards with 15 touchdowns in only seven games last year he is an absolute workhorse back there and he is a, a force that will have to be reckoned with for this Ohio State defense uh, their O-line is pretty solid they're pretty strong at, at the zone running scheme uh, their running game should obviously be good with Ibrahim back there. Um, and then with the receivers, you know, they, re- they lose Rashad Bateman, who was their top target. He was, you know, they targeted him nearly 50% of the time when he was in there. He did opt out near the end of last season, but when he was out there, he was the clear number one threat. He's a very good receiver. Uh, they do have Chris Altman-Bell, who will now be their top guy. He is another very good receiver, and he's another kind of guy, one of these guys that, you know, he's not he's not a, he's not a slouch. He's a guy that is really going to test an Ohio State secondary that wasn't very good last year. They also have Daniel Jackson and Texas A&M transfer Dylan Wright out there. So their wide receiver core is pretty good. And when we look at this Minnesota offense against this Ohio State defense, you know, Ohio State's defense is replacing, you know, a couple of big guys, especially, I, you know, we always talk about the the pass defense, how bad it was, and that the run defense was really good last year. And it's going to be interesting to see it, you know, how this plays out as a whole, because in the run game, you know, a guy like Tommy Togiai, and of course the three linebackers that Ohio State had that are not returning, were, were pretty big in stopping the run, and now all of those guys are gone. And so while, you know, we're hoping that the pass defense improves, we also kind of have to hope that the run defense stays with what it was. And, you know, I know, you know, guys like Zach Harrison on the defensive line and, of course, Haskell Garrett were both very good at stopping the run as well. You know, they're going to have probably Teron Vincent in there, a defensive tackle, a former five-star. They got Tyreek Smith on the other side, who's been a very good edge rusher. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this defensive line. But obviously, Ohio State will be placing all of their linebackers. There'll likely only be two on the field at any given time in the 4-2-5. And then we have a lot of question marks in the secondary outside of seven banks who everyone expects to be very good. And then Josh Proctor will probably be back there as the uh, the single high safety. But Josh, what do you think overall about, you know, the, the Minnesota's offense taking on this Ohio State defense? And what do you expect and kind of to see from, from both sides when that those when they have the ball? Yeah, if you take 2020 as your frame of reference, it's really strength against strength and question mark against question mark. Uh, just going back to Tanner Morgan, I think that your level of concern is really dependent upon your... Um, you know, impression of Tanner Morgan. Who is he really? If you look at the 2019 season, he was a second or third team All Big Ten, and he completed 66% of his passes, had a 30 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio. But if you remove that season and you look at his other two as a starter, granted, neither one was a full 12 game 
uh, sample size. But if you look at the 2018 and 2020 seasons, he's completing about 58% of his passes and he has a 16 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio. So it comes down to which quarterback is Tanner Morgan. I think that he will be improved over 2020. But when I really looked back at his kind of career as a whole, I guess I didn't really factor in his 2018 season as much. He's an above average quarterback if you remove his special 2019 season. So he's going to have a lot of inexperience that he's throwing to. So I think that that may help the Ohio State defense. You mentioned Chris Altman Bell. I'm not 100% certain at this time whether or not he's going to play. He did have an injury in camp, and they've alluded to him maybe being a game-time decision. I think if he's you know, 90%, he's out there. Anything less, it's a long season. Maybe they sit him. And then you mentioned Dylan Wright. He's a transfer from Texas A&M. He was a top 100 recruit a couple of seasons ago, and if he'd signed with Minnesota right away, he would have been the second highest recruit ever at Minnesota. He was a stud coming out of high school, but he couldn't get on the field for A&M. So we don't really know what we're going up against in Dylan Wright. So I do think that Ohio State kind of gets to ease their secondary and their pass defense into the season. I don't predict a lot of fireworks from that Minnesota team. But the run game is what they're going to hang their hat on. And for good reason. Muhammad Ibrahim is a stud back there. He was the Big Ten running back of the year. He's a volume guy. You know, he averaged, I think, 29 carries a game last year. So he's a guy who may average three yards per carry in the first half, but he's going to beat on you and beat on you and beat on you and look to break some bigger runs in the second half. So it'll be an interesting challenge. And Ohio State's defensive line, which we think is all world, is going up against a lot of experience on that Minnesota offensive line. All of their projected starters are going to be fifth or fifth, fourth or fifth year seniors. And they actually rotate a little bit. They say that they've got six starters. They get a couple guys back from 2020 who either opted out or were injured. They can really rotate seven guys who have at least four years of experience and a lot of starts under their belt. They get back Curtis Dunlap Jr., who was injured. But the guy I'm intrigued by, we'll see if he gets on the field, is Daniel Falele. He missed last year. I think he was an opt-out, but I actually remember him as a recruit. He's 6'9", 380 pounds. He's out of Australia. He was an IMG guy who had never really played organized football. He's not projected to be a starter, but I can only imagine get that guy getting in the game that's a mountain of a man. We think that Dewan Jones is huge. Daniel Falele, again, 6'9", 380, is like, uh, is like Thor or the mountain from Game of Thrones out there. So they have a lot of guys that they can rotate in. They've got a lot of experience. And I think their biggest advantage on that offensive line is those guys have all played with each other. And they've played a lot of snaps and gotten a lot of reps um, moving around, but as a cohesive unit. So... I think, I think that we're going to see strength against strength, but the, the Buckeyes need to try and force Tanner Morgan to beat them. If they can contain Ibrahim, 
I like their chances a lot better of minimizing the damage and holding Minnesota under, I don't know, let's say 24 points or something like that. If they put the pressure on Tanner Morgan, I don't think that he's got the core yet, at least based on their experience, uh, to really throw all over the field and throw all over the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of you know experience going up against unexperience here. Um, in terms of stopping the run, we still don't really have a great picture of what Ohio State's linebackers are going to be. I don't even know if the Ohio State coaches have a great idea of what the linebackers are going to look like. And you know, this is being recorded on Tuesday, so two days from now, um, we've we've kind of assumed going into the season that it was going to be Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gant at linebacker. We've been hearing a lot about Cody Simon and some other guys kind of pushing for time over there. Uh, you know, we expect you know, I expect Craig Young to be on the field as the bullet when it's obvious running downs. Uh, he might rotate back there. With Ronnie Hickman when it's more of a passing situation with Young as the natural linebacker and Hickman as a natural safety. And then the corners, uh, probably seven banks and Cam Brown if he's healthy. And then Lathan Ransom in the slot. That would be my projected defense. But like I said, I don't know how much the coaches know at this point. And I'm sure we'll see a lot of rotation early on as much as they could afford it. You know, this is like you said, it's, it's good to have a game like this early to kind of get a test. But I'm sure the coaches would like to have an easier game where they could kind of pretty much play everyone on the roster and see a little bit of what they have against a, in a more inferior team. But I do think, like you said, you know, this isn't an offense like, Tanner Morgan isn't going to come out here and really take the top of this Ohio State defense and throw for 400 yards. But I think he and this wide receiver core he has are serviceable enough to go along with that run game to, to really show you know if this Ohio State defense has improved at all. And like I said earlier, I don't think we're going to learn if Ohio State's a national championship contender in this game. But I do think that if Ohio State comes out here and this defense doesn't look any improved and Tanner Morgan throws for like 300, 350 yards, then there is going to be a massive cause for concern for this season in the passing game. Because, you know, last year Ohio State finished 122nd in the country out of 127 teams in passing defense. And that is just, for an Ohio State team especially, that is just absurd. And so, you know, I don't expect them to be you know, top 20 defense this season. But even if they could, you know, get within the top 50, top 60, that'd be greatly improved. And I think that would be enough to propel them to a very good year as long as the rest of the defense holds true. So I am I am very interested in watching this Ohio State defense play this Minnesota offense. I think it's almost a perfect matchup with a team that could run the ball pretty well and then also has a, a decent passing game. I think it's a good test for a secondary that has a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, we might find, maybe Ohio State finds their next, you know, obviously seven banks entrenched as a number one guy, but maybe we find a very, very good, Good, number two or even supplants him as number one in this game maybe a guy I predicted you know we me and Josh wrote a piece today about surprise starters I wrote about Denzel Burke he wrote about Lathan Ransom two guys that I think could very well make a name for themselves in this game and really firmly entrench themselves as starters for this defense this season so I am very excited for that I'm also excited to see guys like Jack Sawyer and maybe a little bit of JT Tweem allow on the defensive line I think we will see Sawyer a good amount they've had nothing but good things to say about him and by all accounts he is an absolute stud so I'm really excited to see how this defensive line plays I'm hoping that you know Ohio State could get themselves out to a little bit of a lead so that it forces Morgan and that offense to throw it a little bit more to try to get back into it and so we see a little bit more of that pass defense, a little bit more of that pass rush that we want to see improve from last season. I think that would be an ideal situation. Yeah, you know, I mentioned it's not like Ohio State is playing a team like a Ball State or something like that. And you don't want to get too crazy, I don't think, in week one. But I do think that this game affords the Buckeyes the opportunity and their coaching staff the opportunity to try out some different parts. If you look back at last year, Minnesota ran the ball over 60% of the time, 60.2% of the time they called run plays. So if, if you use that as sort of your baseline, I think that we could see 
three linebackers on the field, but maybe they still call it the bullet position. You know, I don't know if maybe Cody Simon slides over there a little bit if they feel like Minnesota is leaning towards the run. We've mentioned that Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman kind of each have their own unique strengths. But if Minnesota is that dedicated to the run and say they want to call 70% run play to try and, you know, hold on to the ball, keep the Ohio State offense off of the field, maybe we see three linebackers get three traditional linebackers get in there on certain plays. But you mentioned the DBs that we talked about as well. You wrote about Denzel Burke. I wrote about Lathane Ransom. I think that with a perceived weaker passing game, this would give those guys an opportunity to get on the field as well to kind of mix it up a little bit. They're going up against guys who do not have a ton of experience. So it's not like they're out of their element, right? They're not going up against third and fourth year proven wide receivers. So maybe we put them out there. Maybe we put them out there early and see what they can do against this Minnesota pass game. But you know, I think we've both really hit on it. Our defensive line is going to have to play really well. We cannot let Muhammad Ibrahim run all over the place and let this Minnesota offensive line dominate the line of scrimmage because that's going to play into the hands of Minnesota. And then maybe it's going to make that pass game easier. You know, they can involve some play action or things like that. So if they stop the run game or at least contain it, Muhammad Ibrahim, he ran for over 100 yards every game last year. If we can hold him under 100, which would be great, I think it really puts an emphasis on the passing game. And I think that would then play into um, not a, a into the hands of Ohio State per se, but I think that it's a lot easier to introduce those new guys when you're not going up against a Purdue or something like that, where it's going to be pass, pass, pass the entire game. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, uh, before, we're we going to talk about their, you know, Ohio State's offense against this Minnesota defense here in a second. But I do think, you know, Minnesota's best chance at a defense per se is to stay on the stay on offense as long as possible. And like you said, keep the ball out of Ohio State's hands. Yes. Because I do think the Ohio State offense is going to be really hard to stop for anybody. But, you know, I, th- I think that's a good strategy to kind of run the ball, run some clock, keep the ball away from C.J. Stroud and those receivers. And, you know, what's interesting is that Ohio uh, Ryan Day in his press conference earlier today was talking about that DeMario McCall is going to see time on Thursday. He said it. Like, he said that DeMario McCall is going to play. So it'll be interesting to see him out there at corner. We're obviously excited for that. We're big big DeMario McCall stands here at Land Grant Holy Land. So we're excited for that. I don't know if that's an uh, overly concerning thing to hear that he's going to play or that, you know, we're <laughs> just excited for it. But that is something that I'm excited to see, at least, you know, a little bit of a, a different wrinkle on defense for sure. Yeah, I hope that. Demario McCall can prove a lot of people wrong. If Ryan Day is willing to come out and say that the week of the game, then I'm going to take him at his word. It means that Demario McCall um, has proven enough to get out there on the field. And and like I said, you're not going up against 10-year vets out there. Why not put some guys out there who have played well in practice, regardless of their stature or their seniority, to see what they can do? And You know, I just want to get back to the D-line and the O-line and ask you a question real quick, Gene. Minnesota does not have the most, uh, you know, proficient pass game, or at least they didn't last year. If they are forced to go to the pass more often, how intrigued are you by the matchup of just talking specifically pass rush, Minnesota offensive line versus Ohio State defensive line? That seems like strength against strength. 
you know, do you think that that could play out in the, in the Buckeyes favor, or do you think that they have their work cut out for them and we could see a real kind of battle up front? Yeah, I think this is another, you know, like we say, you know, this is a really good matchup for Ohio State. This is a good, another good test for a unit that, while we expect to be really good, still has a good amount of question marks. You know, everyone has expected Zach Harrison to take that next leap. He hasn't yet, but by all accounts out of camp, he's looked very, very good. Tyreek Smith showed flashes last year of being excellent as a pass rusher, so we hope he could keep that up into this season. Um, Haskell Garrett's obviously very good up the middle at both stopping the run and at getting pretty good pressure up the middle. And then you have these five-star freshmen that everyone expects to be, you know, the next coming of the both brothers so there's a lot out there to like um and it's a good it's not like you know if we go out there against Akron and Jack Sawyer has three sacks we're not really learning a ton because that's not a very good team but like a team like this with a pretty good offensive line if Ohio State comes out here and they're really getting good pressure on Tanner Morgan they get a couple sacks they're getting in the backfield to stop the run I think that's a very good sign for the rest of the season so I'm hoping we see something like that you know it'll be interesting to see how much the freshmen play, how much of rotation they have out there. If other guys like, you know, Javante, John Baptiste, and some of the other guys at the defensive end and defensive tackle rooms, how much those guys play, how much we see sort of a rushman package and who's included in that package. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to look at on that Ohio State defensive line. I just, you know, the more we talk about this game, the more excited I get because there's just, there's so many questions and there's so much, there's such a high ceiling for a lot of these these position groups on Ohio State that, you know, if, if a lot of these guys click or at least a few of them do, it could be really good. So that is, you know, that's a good matchup to look at. I'm excited for it and I'm hoping that you know, we see a good collection of guys out there that, that are able to kind of build on what we've seen from them in the past or just play up to the expectations like the freshmen. Yeah, I can see the defensive line having a big game despite the experience on the other side because they may force Minnesota into obvious passing downs. And for as experienced as Minnesota is along the offensive line, and yes, they're getting a couple guys back who didn't play last year, uh, but in 2020, I was looking for a pressure stat or a pressure percentage, and I couldn't find a good one, but their quarterback was sacked 6.6% of the time, and that was ranked 72 or 72nd, I'm sorry, in the country, which is right about average. So again, for all the experience they have, they did give up sacks as a unit last year. So if they're going up against a stout, stout defensive line, like we expect, um, th- then I could see Ohio State getting to the quarterback more often than we think. If you just look at, you know, the 160 or whatever starts that that Minnesota unit has. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we talk about battles in the trenches, we could kind of flip it over to the other side of the ball here where we could talk about the Minnesota defense going up against the Ohio State offense. Obviously, with Ohio State, the the most proven commodity on the field is their wide receiver room with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and then Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot. And then, you know, every other five star in the world behind them. So I don't think there's really many question marks there. We expect that those guys to ball out. Uh, at running back, there's still a question as who's to, who's going to start, but it looks like, you know, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, Master Teague will be some form of rotation there. It's unclear who's going to get the first snap of the season, but I have pretty good trust in, in at least two of the three of those guys, and I expect them to be pretty good as well. Uh, we'll talk about how they match up against Minnesota defense in a second, but as we continue to go through the rest of this Ohio State offense, you obviously have C.J. Stroud making his first start for Ohio State. going to be a very different environment than anything he's played in so far, having not played in front of crowds or having thrown a collegiate pass, but he's got very good skill positions around him. Uh, I forgot to include with the receivers, obviously also have Jeremy Ruckert, who's going to be one of the top tight ends in the country. 
And then the offensive line, uh, we expect. I'm kind of expecting them to roll out with their four offensive tackle offensive line of Dewan Jones, Thayer Munford, uh, Harry Miller at center, and then Paris Johnson and uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer. So you have four tackles. And I think the interesting thing here with the Ohio State offense, before I go- jump into a little bit of the Minnesota defense, is that if they have like uh, Mayan Williams back there, who's five eight, I think it'd be really interesting to see like if he legitimately gets lost behind an offensive line that's that big, and it becomes a, a, a like a problem for opposing defenses where they quite literally can't find him behind the guys that are up there because they're they just have a massive group of four offensive tackles up there. Do you think there's anything to that, Josh? Do you think that's an interesting little like wrinkle for having a running back with the like the 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 smaller stature of a Mayan Williams? Absolutely. You know, I don't know if we see it as much at the college level because usually those smaller running backs are kind of gadget guys. They're not always as stout and as big as Mayan Williams, but I think you definitely see it more on the college level. And I, I wish I had a name to throw out there, but you see shorter backs behind these, you know, enormous offensive lines. And I think there is something to it. Shorter backs can have success in the interior run game. They don't always have to be the four, three guys who bounce it outside or take these swing passes. I think that Mayan Williams at his size can definitely run up the gut. And if Ohio state's offensive line is able to, uh, you know, push Minnesota back to a certain extent, I think that you're not off base at all to say that he could give Minnesota problems because you've got linebackers who you know, they did not play well last year. Minnesota was terrible specifically against the run. So now you're bringing back a couple of guys who were injured last year. They have a transfer that I want to talk about. Jack Gibbons from Abilene Christian. They're not an experienced unit. So um, to get off blocks and identify where the run is going could definitely be a bit of a problem for them with Mayan Williams in the game. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, and we could jump into the rest of this Minnesota defense here and then get back to talking about some of the matchups for Ohio State. Minnesota finished last year. They started off the season really, really bad on defense, and they got a little better as the year went on. They finished 72nd in the country in total defense. They're actually really good against the pass. They finished 36th, which for you know Minnesota is pretty pretty good. And then, But uh, like you alluded to, the rush, they were 102nd in the country against the rush, so they were not great against the running backs uh, like you kind of alluded to as well. The linebacker room was a big reason for that. They did not have a bunch of... Uh, they, they did not play well in the linebackers. Uh, really, the front seven wasn't very good as a whole, but they did do some things to shore it up. They brought in Clemson transfer Niles Pinckney at defensive tackle. He's a good player. You know, He played over 1,000 snaps at Clemson. That should kind of uh, reinforce the middle of the defensive line. Uh, they brought in Val Martin, and they have four uh, returning contributors. At, and Val Martin's from NC State. They brought in. They brought in. Uh, they have four returning contributors along the defensive line as well. So they have guys coming back that are experienced. But like I said, they didn't really play uh, really that well last year on the front seven. Uh, Boy Mafe is probably their best edge rusher. He led the team with four and a half sacks in 2020. But their their strength is really. Uh, in the passing game, and they, they brought back a couple guys in the secondary as well. Uh, Coney Durr led the team with five pass breakups last year. Uh, Tyler Newbin was second on the team with 41 tackles. So they have guys coming back in the secondary that were pretty good in the passing game last year. But the front seven was an issue. They did uh, bring in some guys to try to fix it, but there's not a whole lot there. And I think, you know, like you kind of said, it was strength on strength the other way, whereas, you know, um, like this Ohio State offense is not exactly the matchup that a defense like Minnesota's is one that they're going to look forward to to playing against. Yeah, I hope that I'm not proven wrong on this one, but I expect Ohio State to dominate up front uh, and really in the middle of the field. You you mentioned in Minnesota's secondary, if they have a strength on defense, that's it. But 
up front, you know, you talked about they gave up over 200 yards rushing per game. And in theory, they addressed some of their needs. But theory is not always reality, right? They brought in these transfers. Niles Pickney was, you know, he played five years at Clemson, but he only started 15 games. So out of 55 total, he was primarily a rotational guy. Um, I, I think that Ohio State will probably use the full complement of their running game, especially early until C.J. Stroud really settles in and get comfor- gets comfortable. I think they're going to dominate up front. Boye Mafe, he's a big-time breakout candidate. I guess he's a great athlete. He has some good pass-rushing ability, but he's not very good against the run. You know, he's guilty by association based on what they did last year. And for all of his breakout potential, I need to see more of it. You know, he's, um, he has eight and a half, I think, career sacks over three seasons most of which were last year. You know, he had two against Illinois and then two and a half the rest of the season. So um, he's got potential, but he doesn't really concern me all that much, especially because he's going to be going up against a Dewan Jones or a Nicholas petit Freire or a Mumford. We'll see. We think we know what it's going to be, but he's going to be going going to be going up against a hell of a tackle one way or another for Ohio State. So I think that the interior is where Ohio State is going to make its bones again, at least early on. And then they'll look to expose that secondary and potentially the middle of the field. Talked about the linebackers. They get a couple guys back from injury. Braylon Morgan. uh, I think it's Braylon Morgan. If I am uh, saying his name wrong, I, I had him written down earlier, but he showed some potential in 2019, missed last year. I know that Minnesota's I coaching staff. I believe it's Braylon Oliver. Braylon Oliver, that's right. And, uh, you know, the coaching staff is really excited to get him back. But I think Jack Gibbons, they haven't even shored up their starters yet or at least announced them. Jack Gibbons, I believe, will be their best linebacker either right away or early on. He played four years at Abilene Christian. He had 100, 100 plus tackles in 2019. So he's got a ton of experience. Granted, it, it was against, I, I guess you could say, inferior competition, but he's played a lot. He's a big guy, 6'4", 240 at linebacker. So he's a monster in the middle. And so if he can get that unit together, it's going to take some pressure off of the, the rest of the guys on the team. But I just don't think they stand a great chance of, of stopping Ohio State. There's just, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They were a terrible defense last year. They were great in 2019, but they lost the vast majority of their, their talent besides uh, Mafe, really. So they're learning on the fly. They'll probably get better as the season goes along. They had three or four really good games at the end of 2018, too, when Joe Rossi was named the defensive coordinator. So he's he's done some things there, but they're coming off a a dreadful year. And week one is not the time, I don't believe, where you're going to see them cure all that ails them. Yeah, and I'm sure Gibbons is a good player, but at the end of the day, if your best linebacker is going to be an Abilene Christian transfer, that's at least somewhat problematic in my eyes. Um, the the issue here I have is that you know Ohio State, the Ohio State offense that we currently think of is kind of more orientated around the pass, and obviously that's due to the talent they have. But if you're if Ohio State's you know breaking off big chunk plays in the run game, and then they have that pass game to go along with it, it's going to be a really really long day for this Golden Gopher defense. 
you know, especially as Ohio State's still really searching for its starting running backs. You know, if they're just rotating guys out there and all of them are breaking off big chunk plays, and they, you know, CJ Stroud doesn't even have to do anything that special to put up points, uh, it's it's going to be really tough out there. You know, we're obviously very excited for this Ohio State offense. I believe CJ Stroud is going to be very good. You know, there's a reason that he won the battle against all the guys that he did. You know, if, if the coaching staff didn't believe him, he wouldn't be QB one right now. I don't really have many concerns about him. You know, going into a hostile environment and and struggling. You know, there might be some some growing pains early on. I don't expect him to have like a Justin Fields esque season where he only throws like three picks the whole year. But with the talent he has around him, I just think it, it'd be so tough to not be very good. He's just got so much good, like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jeremy Rucker, and JSN all being on the field at once. Like that's those guys would all be the top pass catcher on any other team they're on, pretty much. So having all of them on the field at once, this this passing offense along with like the blocking they're going to have from this huge offensive line, I think is going to be too much to stop for really any team in the country. And for a defense like Minnesota, who struggled against the run last year, it's going to be a, a heavy ass to keep this Ohio State team under like 40 points or so. So. You know, it's going to come, yeah. like like we alluded to on defense, like it's going to, re- oh, Minnesota, if they have any chance of really keeping this game close, they kind of have to hold on to the ball and keep Ohio State's offense off the field as much as possible, because I just don't think they really have the guys to really keep up with this, the, all the guys Ohio State has. Yeah, I think that Ohio State can be balanced and dominate against a team like Minnesota, as great as their pass catchers are and as prolific as we expect their passing game to be, I don't think we have to see it week one. I would not be surprised if C.J. Stroud throws for under 300 yards, but we rush for 200 plus. That's still 500 total yards of offense, and I think that that can be very efficient and put up a lot of points against the Minnesota team and Stroud eases is and he gets better and better and better. Maybe has those 400 yard games, knock on wood down the line. I just don't think we need to see it week one. We can still be very efficient uh, in in both aspects, basically, and, and put up 40 plus points, like you said. We'll get to our score predictions here in a little bit, but I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a bit here, Josh. What do you think would have to happen for Ohio State to lose this game? What would have to go wrong on both sides of the ball in order for like Minnesota to pull off the upset here? Ohio State comes in. The current line, Ohio State's minus 14, so they're two touchdown favorites. What do you think would have to like totally go wrong for Ohio State to not win this game? I think it would have to be turnovers. Um and I can say that that would be my number one A, B, and C answer as far as what would concern me. If we're sloppy with the ball and we turn it over, that's going to give Minnesota, A, not only more opportunities to score, but B, just more time of possession where they can feed Muhammad Ibrahim. They don't have to get away from the run game so much. So if we commit turnovers and Minnesota keeps the hand the ball in their hands, I think that that is the biggest concern. And everything we've heard out of camp and out of practice is that C.J. Stroud is very meticulous. He's very safe with the ball, but you know he's going to be facing live bullets for the first time. So you don't know if nerves are going to come into play. You don't know um, how he's going to look in real live game action, but they need to avoid the turnovers. And I'm talking multiple. One turnover we live with, two we probably live with. Um, but if you get two plus, it brings a lot of factors into play and hopefully those don't happen because, you know, Minnesota doesn't, didn't turn, didn't cause a lot of turnovers last year either. It was not a strength of their defense, like many other things. So they just have to protect the ball. I think as long as they do that, even if it's ugly, they can win by, you know, 10 plus points, 14 plus points. 
Yeah, I definitely think turnovers would have to play a pretty significant factor as well. I think, too, if, if Ohio State's defense just can't, for whatever reason, stop Muhammad Ibrahim and he has these, you know, the, Minnesota's having these drives where, you know, it's going five, six, seven minutes coming off the clock, and then Ohio State has a turnover and they give the ball right back. I think something like that would be perhaps troubling. I do think this is. A, I do think Minnesota's going to be good this year. We kind of talked about it in our Big Ten preview. I think there is a chance that they're kind of a dark horse candidate to win the West, so I don't want to take anything away from Minnesota because I do think if they kind of put all the pieces together, this could be a pretty solid football team, but at the end of the day, I just don't think that their defense could stop Ohio State's offense. I don't think there's many defenses that could. And as long as, you know, even if it's not spectacular, as long as Ohio State's just keeping the machine rolling, I think that they'll be able to put up enough points, even if the defense isn't quite up to par yet, uh, to come away victorious in this game. I do think that, you know, Ohio State will probably cover, but I could see this as a game where, you know, maybe it's a one touchdown or a three-point game going into halftime, and then, you know, Ryan Day has to make some adjustments, and they kind of pull away in the second half. I could definitely see something like that, especially because it's the first game of the year on a Thursday on the road there's a lot of factors that go into it so it's going to be an interesting game so I don't know it's, it's going to be a little bit weird probably to start but I, I can't imagine them not you know coming away victorious in the end of it yeah we both had that same opinion of Minnesota that they could make some noise in the Big Ten this year I just think week one talent wins I, I think that if you have a disparity between the two teams like there is on paper and let's face it in reality Talent should give Ohio State the edge, even if they do get out of sorts a little bit and maybe commit a turnover or two. I just think that the talent gap is too wide for Minnesota to win this game. But I'm with you. I think that they'll make some noise. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't help but agree. Um, all right. So let's you want to get into our get into our score predictions. Josh, you want to give me yours first? What are we rocking with here? What are we feeling? Yeah, you know, well, I want to do score pr- uh, predictions because I know we're, we're kind of getting up there on time is where, where we wanted to keep it at least. But before we do that, or maybe we can do it after, I want to get a player from you who is not a surprise starter because we already did that. I want to know the player from you. Give me a prediction. Who is going to have a big game in this game? Whether you want to do that now or score predictions, that's completely up to you. I'll do it now. I think that, you know, I'm going to do this because I, I want it to happen. I'm going to say that Mayan Williams uh, is going to have a, a multi-touchdown game, two or three in this game because of, like we talked about, Minnesota's kind of their struggles to, to stop the run. I think Mayan Williams has earned significant playing time from what we've heard out of camp. I don't know if he's running back one, but I think he'll earn the job as we go here. It's really, I think, in my mind, it's between him and Henderson, so I, I'd be perfectly comfortable with either of them earning the job here, but I think it's a, a big game for Mayan Williams in this one. I don't know if it's going to be quite like the, the, the J.K. Dobbins-esque game that we saw against Indiana. I don't know if J.K. actually had a rushing touchdown in the game, but he had a ton of yards, but I do think we could see a couple scores here. Maybe Ohio State works himself into the red zone with the pass and then they put in Mayan back there behind that big offensive line to run it in a few times so you know we all know I'm a big Mayan Williams guy I'm rooting for him to do well so I'm going to take Mayan Williams to score multiple times in this first game and maybe turn some heads and get people talking about that running back room and who should really be the, the number one guy out there what about you Josh you got anybody on offense or defense you're looking at yeah, I like Mayan, but I, I'm going to stay away from the running backs because I think we do see a true rotation week one. I'm going to go with a guy. He's not unproven by any means, but I think Jeremy Ruckert's going to have a big game. Again, I'm going to stay on offense, but we've talked about the linebackers for Minnesota, The uh, maybe not inexperienced, but they haven't played together obviously with a transfer coming in and the injuries last year. We know that the defensive line will probably struggle to keep 
Ruckert in check. I don't see him checking a lot. I don't see him blocking a lot out of need. So I think he's going to be freed up to run around a little bit, get open in the middle of the field. And I think Jeremy Ruckert will have a, uh, I, I don't know, let's say a five catch game. And I see a touchdown out of Ruckert as well. And, and for an Ohio State tight end, that's basically, you know, 20 catches for any other school. So five catches <laughs> exactly. for a tight end is is a massive day for Jeremy Ruckert. I'm obviously also a huge Jeremy Ruckert guy. He's, I think he's like the top recruit ever from Long Island. So shout out to him representing the hometown. Uh, yeah, I think those are two guys to look out for on offense. If I had to pick a guy on defense, I'm looking forward to seeing. Maybe not having, maybe I don't expect him to have a huge game, but I'd like to see if Cam Brown is fully healthy. I was pretty high on him going into last year, and he suffered that Achilles injury in the Penn State game, and I think they really felt that the rest of the year. So I'm hoping that Cam Brown's fully healthy. I'm looking forward to seeing him out there if he is the uh, the other starter at the opposite corner spot. So that's a guy that I'm looking out for on defense, and obviously, you know, I'm looking out for the linebacker play. We've had some some questionable starters here last couple of years, so I'm hoping that those guys are at least a little bit of an improvement over number 32 over the middle. So uh, those guys in particular, I don't know, have a specific guy I'm looking for. I hear a lot good about Cody Simon, so I'd like to see him, but I'm just hoping that at least two or three of those guys in the linebacker room show that they they deserve to play. Yeah, and as far as defense goes, I'd love to be more interesting, but Cam Brown is the guy for me. Uh, we have to see what Ohio State has at corner. We know their struggles last year. We know that Seven Banks played fairly well, and he's projected to potentially go in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. We need to see what else they have in that secondary. So Cam Brown is another guy that I'm going to have my eyes on. Um, not the biggest challenge in the world, we don't think going up against the Golden Gopher. So if he plays well, that will give me a lot more confidence. Uh, moving forward in the season. Absolutely. We want to see, you know, we they can't be 122nd in the country again. Even if they're, you know, if they just, they don't have to be the 20, like 19 defense that was spectacular, but they have to be better than they were last year. So any signs of improvement, even against a team like Minnesota is obviously a, a step in the right direction because we don't want to see like the, the Indiana game like we saw last year or what we saw against Alabama in the national title game. So as we, as we kind of wrap up here on our first preview episode of the year, what are we thinking score wise, Josh? Well, I need to be careful here because you and I talked off pod. Uh, there is a, a lot of money floating around between Gene and I, high stakes on our bets and our projections for these games and really all season long. Um, I can't afford to lose a mortgage payment. So I'm going to be, I, I think, somewhat conservative here. I'm going to say Ohio State 38, Minnesota 17. I don't think it is dangerously close for much of the game. I don't know that they break away late. I don't know that it's um, incredibly frustrating to watch. I think it's going to be comfortable throughout, but I don't see 40 plus points. I hope I'm wrong. And I think they'll give up a a couple touchdowns to Minnesota. So I'll say 38-17. Gene, where are you at? I'm uh, going to go a little bit higher on both fronts here. I'm going to say 45-28. Um, I think that, you know, like I kind of alluded to earlier, I don't think there's many defenses in the country that could hold this team under 40 with just the way they're composed. And, you know, maybe I'll rethink that based on who's coming to town next week and what we see in this game. But for right now, but based on what we see on paper, I, I have found a tough time uh, finding a team that could hold Ohio State under 40 with these receivers. So I got 45 for them. And Minnesota 28, I just think, you know, there'll be some early struggles on this defense. Maybe there's a busted coverage or two early on as Ohio State kind of rotates guys and figures out what they got. So, And obviously, Mohamed Ibrahim will probably have at least a touchdown in this game. So we'll see. 
what happens there. I do think Minnesota will put up at least a little bit of points. They're not a bad offense, and Ohio State's defense has a lot that they're still learning about themselves. So I don't think it's going to be an overly concerning 28, hopefully. Like, it's not going to be, you know, Tanner Morgan didn't throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns, but uh, I think it's a, it's a comfortable win for Ohio State. I do think it's close at half, and they pull away late. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not like the, the Indiana game where you're kind of sweating in the last couple minutes that they could come back. I think it'll be a pretty pretty comfortable win and one that Ohio State fans could come away feeling feeling pretty good about. Um, is there any... We're not going to actually, I guess we'll have, we'll have another podcast. I guess we'll probably do Friday. I don't know if it'll come out Friday or Saturday. So I guess we could talk about any other games we're looking forward to this weekend on that one. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much, we got anything else you wanted to add on this one, Josh? There's a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement. It's a first game of the year. I'm, I'm hyped for it. No, I'm really just ready to roll. I know it's going to be like Christmas Eve come Wednesday night. I'm off Friday, so anything goes while I watch the game on Thursday. But we've talked about it. I think it's going to be a solid test for this Buckeye team. I think that we'll see ups and downs. I think the ups will be far more prevalent. And I think they're going to look really good. I don't know if they're going to roll out the entire playbook week one. Maybe they get conservative and just rotate some guys in there and get some playing time. But... You know, I'm confident in this game. We have avoided the large upset week one going back. I don't know how many years I I tried to look back and it's been it's been a long time since Ohio State was tested week one right away. And a lot of that is due to their opponent. But I think they're going to look good. I feel good about a two to three touchdown win. And I'm just ready to get this thing going. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ryan Day still has yet to lose a Big Ten game, so that's another feather in the cap for Ohio State there in this one. Well, yeah, be sure to be sure to stick with us here at Land Grand Holy Land. We're going to have a ton of coverage leading up to the game, a ton of coverage after the game. Josh and I will be back uh, sometime this weekend, probably Friday, maybe Saturday, to kind of break down this game. We're also going to have a uh, rapid reaction podcast. I'm not exactly sure who's who's doing that just yet, but we're going to have some right after the game for you, kind of breaking down their immediate thoughts after the game. So we're going to have a lot of content here for you at Land Grand Holy Land like we always do during the regular season. Uh, be sure to stick with us there. And, uh, yeah, so we will talk to you guys later this week for our first recap of the season. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and we will see you guys then. Go Bucks.